Hi, my name is Max, and I'm here with my colleague, Nick, to tell you about the Thought Junkie Patreon program. Thank you, Max. Let me tell you a little bit about it. We are poor college students looking to invest in our podcast future, and with your monetary support over the course of several months, we can buy an in-house studio and pay for subscription fees to get our thoughts into your pockets. When you sign up for our Patreon program, you will have an opportunity to be a part of three different tiers. The first tier being the Thought Soldier. You'll have an exclusive opportunity to be a part of AM Pulse, which is our new 15-minute segment on what's new in the digital world, music, technology, film, and more. The next tier is the Thought General. You'll be able to listen to AM Pulse, as well as two new 15-minute podcasts a month, the first being Words, Words, Words with Nick and History Tea Time with Max. History Tea Time is a lovely fireside chat to end the evening with a little bit of history with our lovely host, Max, where Words, Words, Words is a dive on language and current trends with our linguist, Nick. Consider subscribing and giving us a little bit of your monetary support in order for us to continue to give you the content you so rightfully deserve. I'm Nick. And I'm Max. Thank you. Globalists are taking over. We're coming for you, globalists! Oh, no! <laughs> I, I think we have one in our midst. And his name is... Hello, it is I. <laughs> Kyle... <laughs> <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why did the guests always introduce themselves with a greeting, not their name? <laughs> you know... I wasn't told. Yeah, I was told we, just to show up. We should probably just put a ban on that. Just, just like, hey, this is the one rule of being a guest in the Thought Junkie <laughs> podcast. Don't introduce yourself with a hello. You were more to us than that than the hello. All right, well, you know what? I at least followed it up with my name. <laughs> All right, well, you know, better than Mikey. Uh, so, sorry, Mikey. Uh, <laughs> That's disrespectful. Max, you've just kind of teased what we're talking about today. Yes. We're talking about the globalists. Yep. And how they're taking over. What was that inhale? <laughs> I like the globalists. You know, I think Kyle's an upstanding guy. But uh, <laughs> I appreciate he, it. He is a globalist. Well, yeah. Why? Why wouldn't you be a globalist? Yeah. <laughs> you close-minded person. Hey, I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm just being provocative for entertainment value. Well, I mean, there's oh, arguments okay. on both sides of it. Okay. So, globalism. This is something that I want to talk about because the world right now is not the same as it was 20 years ago. You can look at me like with no shit, Sherlock, but I'm going to talk about on the <laughs> lens. I'm, I'm talking with the lens of uh, like, like looking at uh, interconnectedness. Right. Like that's a really big thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, you can send any piece of information anywhere. You'll see cultures move from country to country, and it's just wild, man. And you didn't see this kind of stuff, you know. 50 years ago, even more. So so I disagree. Really? Already. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, so we're in for a good... This is going to be a good discussion, then. <laughs> so Roman Catholics from Spain went to North America and Central America okay. in the 1400s. There's your culture shift and yeah. interchanging of cultures, pal. And, <laughs> and I actually am going to agree with Max here um, because globalization isn't technically a new term, per yeah. se, 
because even even back in the days, you saw you know the Silk Road, for instance. You saw people crossing continents just to get resources. We're about to just shit on you this whole <laughs> podcast. <laughs> and so, wouldn't be the first. I time. think I think what you kind of meant, uh, or a better way to put it, would be globalization has evolved into a new form of the topic itself that no one has ever seen before. Um, granted, we've always had globalization. You know, I mean, that's how America got started in the first place. We just we crossed that we crossed the ocean and here we are, um, but now now we have ways of doing so and communicating instantly um, with everyone across the world. So um, so that's kind of what I thought you were going for there. So what if I propose a different kind of approach? Right, globalization is less violent nowadays because if you wanted to spread a culture back in the day, you had a crusade. If you want to spread a culture now. It's just, hey, look at this funny internet video. Now everyone's going to be doing this trend. Yeah, I mean, well, I think, I don't know if crusade is the right word, but I would say that, yeah, it's definitely a lot easier now because somebody can put a TikTok up and then everybody starts, like, hitting the whoa and playing (laughs) horses in the back in, like, Indonesia and Canada and (laughs) Argentina. So, yeah, I mean, it's definitely easier for global phenomena to take place yeah absolutely i would definitely agree with that i mean you have well granted you know social media does help that too of course but you know it's just, it's better for spreading culture i guess you could say that's mm-hmm. a good way to look at it um whether it's more violent or not is you know something we'll find out in the future really quickly but a lot of a lot of uh, leading economists agree that you know because of all the trade that happens in the world and whatnot because we're so intermingled now that we're becoming more of a unified entity itself. And so that will lead to less violent, I guess the right word, violent tendencies. Mm-hmm. Let's go with that. And I think uh, to briefly explain, one of the reasons we brought you on, Kyle, is because you have a background in uh, economics, environmental studies, general business, overall bullshit. Uh, so you fit yes, perfectly uh, into not only the the podcast but but the topic. And one thing I want to talk to you about uh, or, or bring up is this idea of like interconnected economy too, because that's really uh, interesting to me. Uh, the world has seen, or at least us in America specifically, have seen two great depressions: the Great Depression, the Great Recession, as of recent. How has globalization really played a role in those two? Because I know that. Again, I have a really bad understanding, maybe Max, you can correct me, that during the Great Depression, everyone was feeling it, correct? Yeah, worldwide. Yeah, it was worldwide. And was that the same thing during the Great Recession? During, yeah, yeah it was relatively <laughs> the same thing. Uh, obviously, less countries suffered less than others. America probably took the brunt of the force there. When um, we go down, most things go down. Yes, <laughs> and that that can definitely be attributed to... Um, a lot of, you know, where we are in society with globalization is, you know, when we go down, everyone's coming with us. Mm-hmm. We're pulling everyone with us. So that poses an interesting question. Is everyone really connected or do we feel like everyone's connected because we're at the center of all of it? Like um, if, if you ask someone in like Ghana, like, wow, is the world really globalized? Would they be like, all right, listen here. <laughs> Actually, yeah. Well, that, first that of all, been... I don't know if everybody speaks English in Ghana. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't remember okay. which country colonized Ghana, but it's probably that language. Well, we'll say South Africa then, because I know they speak Maybe English. Maybe France, I don't know. <laughs> Actually speak Afrikaans. Yeah, they speak, hey, they speak African I'll t- there? tell you what, no I'm way. writing a book about uh, that takes place in South Africa. Let me tell you what, 
uh, English is one of so their So the guy who made languages. Scientology wrote a lot of books, too. Does that mean he knows everything about everything? I'll tell you right now. <laughs> I, will, I will pull up this shit You're right now. You're a liar. <laughs> no, I'm Googling this shit. I'm telling you, the, one of the national languages of... Yes, I agree. Yes, oh. the British colonized it after the Dutch did. Yes. Okay, all you need to say I'm is saying that Afrikaans is, a, is the normal language. It's a mix of local dialects and Dutch. Yes, I understand. <laughs> I'm just saying. I wanted to hear you say I was right. <laughs> so you fell for it. Stupid. Oh, you're going to do him like that? Oh, okay. yeah. Well, I'm going to put the, the sound clip in there, too. Stupid. Stupid. I'm not going to let you get the chance. Now I'm just going to use your voice. <laughs> but, yeah, um, I guess just to get back on topic, um, a lot of – it's been a, a little bit of a morbid debate, I guess, you know, amongst amongst people in the in the field – um, whether those in the lesser, not lesser countries, like less developed countries or third world countries are as globally connected as other people are right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, because obviously America, we feel that we are very globally connected because we, we have access to information about every other, uh, any, anything we need in the world, basically. Um, but, you know, obviously some other countries, especially once you get farther down past the government and just onto the local streets, you see that not being as true. Mm-hmm. I think you could argue, too, that a lot of third world countries uh, in the past were more um, globalized than they are today because when they were colonies. How so? They were more connected to far, far-flung places of the world, and now that they're no longer colonies or a parts of i'm not saying that that's worse because being a colony is not fun <laughs> uh, what i'm saying is is that there's the you know like colonists kind of came took all the resources took advantage of the people in the country and the land and then like left it left most colonies in shambles so now they don't have resources industry like good economies and they're mm-hmm. just kind of left you know, while yeah. the rest of the world advances. Yeah, it's it's interesting to think about, too, because, like, in in my eyes, again, this is, we've said this before, I'm probably an optimist to a fault, right? And I, I always kind of live by the, you know, leave every place better than you found it, right? But that's not how colonization works. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think that's where we draw the line in my optimism. It's not like, you know... Uh, it's not like uh, going over to your uncle's house and you're just like, all right, thank you very much, and your aunt's just in the corner like, all right, make sure you clean up after yourself, and you're like, oh, okay, you know, do the dishes and whatnot. No, you burn the town, and then you just leave. Yeah, yeah I was about to say, but yeah, Britain didn't go to, like, <laughs> India and was like, all right, guys, now that we're leaving, we're going to leave you with a, a nice economy and this great infrastructure and Call this stability. number if you need anything. Britain, Britain, like, gathered anything they thought was relatively valuable and sprinted out the back door. <laughs> You, using your situation, Kyle, it's like you're at your aunt and uncle's house, and it's like, yeah, you know, it's it's time to go. And your aunt's like, hey, you, you know, maybe you should clean up before you go. And you grab all the cookies on the table, and you're like, see a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and then just like that, with a gone. little bit of like tipping over furniture on the way out. <laughs> you, you like push over a like, like a lamp or something, <laughs> right? You send a vase flying across the room. Mom and dad unlock the car. <laughs> Get the boats ready. It's time to go. Oh no! <laughs> but uh, no, that that's really interesting too. 
the but one of the other thing I, I wanted to bring up about globalization though mm-hmm. is that even though we're so connected, right? And I think internet has to play a big role in that. Would you all agree? Yeah, of course. Yeah, of okay, course. Great, Max Greg with me number two. Uh, so uh, I'm, I'm gonna ha- save that voice. Quote. You're gonna get like a little ding counter yeah. every time it goes <laughs> off. Uh, but it was really interesting too is that the internet is really different from country to country too. Like, I, I didn't realize this until probably a couple of days ago. China doesn't use Google or Facebook. They use, like, a very, bootleg versions. Yeah. Yeah, they use much. a very dumbed-down version of it. But that that's mind-boggling to me because you think about the, these Internet icons as kind of like uh, paragons of globalization. Like, we can connect people. We promote capitalism. We do all this kind of stuff. But... That's more in, of a one Western of the, thing. Yeah. But Welcome like, to the like, difference between capitalism and communism. But China's not communist. Yeah, they're not communist. Well, I mean, they're, they have a – it's more of that – not necessarily they're communist, but they've got that, that, more, inf, that more stronger government influence that mm-hmm. shows like, hey, you can't have Google because if you Google things – You can you know, be like, totalitarian and capitalist. Well, yeah. <laughs> That's but, what China is. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, but for instance, I mean, a big example is, you know, how you can't go there and Google Tiananmen Square. I mean, it's yeah. just that that's part of the, you know, stronger government control there, showing the difference between free, like us being able just to Google whatever we want mm-hmm. and them not being able to use Google. That's why I said it's more of like a Western thing is because that's the case with a lot of the stuff that we see from Amer- an American perspective is – it's it's from a, a Western Eurocentric perspective. Yeah, like it's not from like a we we like to think that America is very global, but it's not really at all. America is a very, like I said, Western Eurocentric country. Interesting. It's, so we think that we're global, but really we're just have a lot in common with around like forty countries, and then mm-hmm. the rest we have very little in common with. So that bears the question: What steps do we have to take to become? globalize if we want to do that at all that that gets really interesting um as far as you know from an economic perspective too because like generally we've seen that being the best way to become globalized other than just sending a message across the world like hello how goes it um (laughs) we it the best way to you know start globalizing in the way it initially happened was through exploring which we've already explored the world and And, trade yeah and trade and Alaska. <laughs> I, I say I say we sail from like California to, to like China and be like, oh, we have found India finally, and then be like, this is ours now, and see what they do. So I don't think that'll go over well for you. <laughs> You'll get crucified on the internet for that. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't see that on the well internet for, for saying that. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, welcome to the Thought Junkie Podcast, where we get distracted every five minutes. Kind All of right. So let me just thought. pitch you something. We go to Alaska. Okay. We find something. Okay. What, what, what's something? value? Okay. I don't know. We'll go. We'll go digging. Okay. We'll find some oil. Maybe maybe some bones or something like okay. that. Okay. Sounds good. We start. In, we annex Alaska for ourselves. Okay. It's already I, annexed. <laughs> I don't think we'll get much resistance though if we say, "Hey, th- this is ours now." Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. You have clearly never been to Alaska. I, I have not. <laughs> I have not either. Have you? It is mostly federal land and people who have guns. <laughs> <laughs> so kind of like. 
Texas. All right. No. Okay. So we bring like an Texas, army. Texas, but cold. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like Texas, but, but cold. But weed's legal there. <laughs> okay, so it's cool Texas, but cold. It's cool. It's it, it's cool Texas. I hate you. <laughs> Leave this room. All right. Well, thank you for having me. Uh, <laughs> All right. You were saying though. So so we're in Alaska. We found some like rocks that are valuable to the government. Yeah. So I don't know. What what what, what do you what, what do we find? We go to Alaska, what do we find? Well, you're going to find oil, right? Because, like, I know that – I actually had a cousin that used to live in Alaska, and they, uh, they they share the land in Alaska. So, like, when, like, oil is found on, on like, the shared land and they make money off of it and they sell it to a company, everyone gets dividends from it. There are Italians in Alaska? No, this is my non-Italian side. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's the, the like, yeah. the American side. So I what guess. we'll do is uh, we'll, we'll look up where the oil pipelines go for, that are in Alaska. Okay. We'll, like, we'll start digging there. We'll pop a pipe. Oil will shoot up. We'll be like, we found oil. And gotcha. then we'll, like, call the government, quickly patch up the pipes and just be like, we found oil. <laughs> And then stick a flag in the ground. And then stick a flag in the ground. This is our new nation. This belongs to Djibouti. It's it's weird, though, because the United States doesn't nationalize natural resources. Mm-hmm. So, like, oil reserves in most countries are nationalized. Yeah. Whereas in the United States, they're private. Okay. Um. So the government will buy oil from oil companies, I'm pretty sure. And then, like, we don't nationalize... Like most, almost all of our natural resources are privatized. Yeah, even things like like timber and stuff like that, because that's that's online. Yeah, exactly. Which is kind of bizarre because then you end up with really poor resource management, <laughs> <laughs> and it's mostly just highest bidder type stuff. Yeah. Um, but I I mean, here, the thing about that is, is that do do you want? Because I know the argument for a lot of people is or at least for small government people, is they're like, the government is bad at everything, so don't let them do everything, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, is it possible to have a right-leaning America that's globalist? I pose a tougher question. (laughs) Interesting. I would say, ah, see, I don't know. I mean... See, see, you can't pose tough questions like this on the spot. Now we're going to have, like, dead air on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm thinking about it. Cause, so what you're proposing is more of, like, a, a centralized government for America, per se? Or? No, what I'm what I'm saying is, is that, well, is that not, like, what left-leaning is, is that you're supporting a bigger government, whereas if you're right-leaning, you're supporting smaller government, yeah. at least in terms of economic and like yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, procedure. typically in economics, you know, right leaning, you want no government involvement in, in the business. Yeah, exactly. Whereas on the left, you want like uh, public health care and like instead of privatized health care and that those kinds of things. Yeah. So, so the, there would have to be a government. It had to be extremely oh, yeah. efficient. <laughs> but like, I, I think that whereas you'd have a large corporation that would specialize in healthcare, right? Or several large corporations that would specialize in healthcare, and there'd be you know a market there. There'd be competition there. You'd have on the flip side one government, and their market air quotes is you know uh, military. It would be alliances. It would be foreign policy. It would be stuff like that. It'd yeah. be implementing new laws and regulations, and mm-hmm. that would be the only industry per se that didn't have uh, like competition. You could even help. You could even privatize military if you wanted to and have like you know not militias but like like uh private armies and stuff like that i know call of duty had a 
fucking storyline about that. Dog, you're gonna bring Call of Duty into this. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not citing Call of Duty. I'm just saying but that someone's I, I see thought what you're of this before. <laughs> he is right. Well, yeah, I'll give him. I'll give it to him this time. Ding. <laughs> There's the ding. Yeah, it would definitely be interesting to see America try to incorporate something like that. Um, it might be a little tougher than most European countries that have tried to, you know, like, say for instance, you know, Sweden, who has like universal health care for their people. Um, it'd be interesting to see America try to incorporate something of that scale, just given how big our population is. I mean, granted, we're not that huge of a population, you know, if you're looking at someone like India or something like that or China. But <laughs> imagine imagine a billion healthcare plans. Oh, no. <laughs> That's a lot of paperwork. Yeah, no, fuck that. It, it would make jobs, though. It would. A lot it of would. No kidding. But uh, Max, were you, were you looking at me here? No. Okay. Awesome. Uh, so, like thinking about that kind of small, efficient government, though, it actually wanted me to. Uh, I wanted to bring up one topic from the get go. I'm glad we kind of got around to this too. Kyle, you're you're into you know environmental uh, resource management kind of yeah. environmental studies. Uh, one thing I wanted to bring up too, because I'm looking into this for some some research I'm doing. It's uh, the phenomenon called tragedy of the commons. Have you heard of it? I have not, actually. Max? No, of course not. So to explain to the viewers who also probably haven't heard of it, it is the thought process that given a resource, let's take fresh water as, as a really easy example. Yeah. Uh, if you just give it to people, give it to any community, mm-hmm. it will eventually be used up to a point where it is depleted, period. Well, yeah, of course. Oh, okay, yeah. It, I mean, it's a simple theory that says yeah, no, that, w- that when you implement management and some sort of structure – it will last either much longer or indefinitely. Well, yeah. So tragedy of the common says that without structure, things will be used up and wasted. So yeah, it's basically saying we don't trust the common people to know how to manage a resource correctly. The the so the reason that we have to have like implementation of like government and things like that, I think this is my theory. There is nothing to back this up. I just want to make that clear right now. <laughs> Translation: I have no idea what I'm about to say. Yeah. But so so. <laughs> Some anthropologist is going to fly through the window and beat me. But previous to, um, I think maybe the reason that we have structural governments now is because previous to um, kind of like civilizations, like, you know, within the past like 6,000 years, mm-hmm. the human population wasn't sort of outweighing resources in a way, you know. So, like, we kind of have to ration resources in a way now, whereas in the past there, there they were plenty, but then when people started gathering up is when, like you said, like, resources would get depleted in an area. And they're like, okay, we need to figure some of this stuff out, you know, and plus, like, there's no laws, so, like, Jimmy's coming over and, like, beating someone to death in their tent, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, the, the nobody's going to stop him. The caveman named Jimmy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, From Djibouti. <laughs> but yeah, like, uh, you know, I think that uh, resource management is just something that comes with larger population. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not, it's not like it's something that we would necessarily. Well, I think now, even if the population got a lot smaller, you know, uh, we would still resource or, or manage resources very carefully because of our experience with depletion. Yeah, I mean, at this point, the population of the world has grown beyond all all expectations mm-hmm. initially. So, 
I think now would now is probably a good time to start considering rationing or not rationing necessarily, but managing our resources correctly. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting too because, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, but back in the day, and when I say back in the day, like early civilization period, like the population density wasn't large enough. Like people didn't form large enough communities to out like you know over harvest the natural resources at the point where they could be replenished mm-hmm. per se but now it's like you know put a million people in a bubble like kind of like from the simpsons movie like you know like that dome mm-hmm. put them in there and just say hey go for it take what you need like it's going to be gone in oh yeah yeah just like that yeah yeah and it's, it's definitely interesting when you're talking about like you know resources depleting because there's just so many on this earth that are not only working their way there, but are getting dangerously low. I mean, fresh water, for an example. Yeah. Um, we're looking at, do you know what the Ogallala Aquifer is? Hopefully I pronounced that right. <laughs> I, I've heard of it, but explain for our viewers. Yeah, it's it's a large uh, aquifer. Uh, I believe it is not the one in California. I believe it is the one in the, in the, in the Great Plains. Uh, I'd have to look it up um, to, to make sure. Yeah. It, it is. It is in the Great Plains. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's not the one in California. Although the California one is running out too. Mm-hmm. Uh, that aquifer, they believe they believe that it'll run out of fresh water, which p- provides water for like most of the crops in that area and most of the people in that area. Yeah, they're expecting expect, expecting that to run out within maybe forty to sixty years. Interesting. Yeah, I just looked it up too, and it, or Texas Tech University says that it should run out. Probably around in fifty years, yeah. yeah. So between so forty. Yeah, I think twenty fifty was the initial estimate. Yeah, uh, could be a little longer than that if we manage it correctly. So we need to build walls around Michigan now, <laughs> <laughs> because the Oklahoma National Guard is going to come running when they need water. Hey guys, I heard you guys had the Great Lakes. <laughs> Y'all mind if we take a straw and, and share some of that? Yeah. Well, yeah. California wanted to build a pipeline. Really? Yeah, California. When they were having that drought, there yeah. th- someone was like, "Yo, can we build a pipeline from Lake Michigan to California?" And Michigan was like, "What?" <laughs> okay, startling statistics. I, I learned this the other day in, uh, in one of my classes. California, uh, around like 2012-ish, I believe, used 80 percent of its water for irrigation. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the, the crops that it irrigated only accounted for two percent of its economy. Yeah. So it's um, like, what? Yeah, so basically the, the thing with that is they, they use a ton of their water for irrigation. They have a ton of um, area that they use for, you know, farming and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, it, farming, it's food. Uh, I, the idea there is, and, and the thing with food is it also doesn't make up a huge portion of the economy just because it is so cheap to, you know, produce and whatnot mm-hmm. and sell. I mean, th- think about it. Like corn only sells for like two bucks a pop, not even. Yeah. Um, it's so it's not going to count for you can't really look at that as an in an economic stance you have to look at that as more of supplying food for the actual population that you have mm-hmm. but the problem there is though they've depleted their aquifers by like 70% already at least mm-hmm. uh 50 60 70% um so they're they're running out of water quick yeah not only cuz it's not falling from the sky anymore but you're still talking about the same one no, this is uh, sorry. I switched to the California one. Oh, okay. Well, Although I, it it applies to both aquifers because both aquifers are running very low 
very quickly. Yeah, same principle. And we've only been there for like 300 years. Yeah. Out west. Yeah, we've we've already depleted them by like 50% at least. I'd have to I'd have to look up exact. Don't quote me on that number. But oh yeah, see, it's it's one of those things where you no one really thinks about it. Jesus. But Christ. then when you actually realize that we are running out of water that's very terrifying. quickly, that's what's the population of California like millions of people? Uh, I do know that California's economy is – California alone is one of the top ten economies in the world. So imagine if all those people lost water. <laughs> well, at one point it got so bad that farmers in the north were selling farmers to the south water. Yeah. Like being like, hey, like we have fresh water. I will give it to you for like three fifty. dollars uh, mm. but, but yeah, I mean it's it's something that a lot of people aren't considering. But when you think about it – they're going to be out of water by 2050, 2060, or they're going to be running at the very least dangerously low. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to move to North Canada where the water comes in via snow. I <laughs> <laughs> don't have to worry hey, about groundwater. Hey, you're in up. Michigan. You have nothing to worry about. <laughs> <laughs> no, bro. We are safe here. Yeah. You, here's, here's the thing. Me being a history major, it's uh, when you look at history, sometimes you start to think, oh, shoot, what's next? <laughs> Because, like, okay, we know what we've studied, but now what's coming? Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a lot of fresh water around the Great Lakes. Yeah. And there's a lot of places running out of water <laughs> in the United States. So so while we feel safe because we're in Michigan, we're like, oh, look at all this water. Max is like, oh, the Oklahomans are coming. <laughs> like, uh-oh. But that makes sense. I understand that. Yeah. Like, that scares me a little bit. Really? Because, yeah. Bro, think about it. If oh, California yeah. runs out of water... Okay. What do we do? How do you combat that? Like, the the government is going to come in and be like, hey, you got to share some of that. <laughs> like, seriously. And what happens when we Michigan, don't want to? Michigan's going to be like, no. And then the Marines are going to come in and say, hey, you got to share some of that. <laughs> oh, no. Canada, help. Canada, help. Canada's <laughs> watching from the bylines or, or the, the sidelines like, hey, guys, uh, y'all want to stop fighting over <laughs> our Great Lakes? Wait, oh. what's what's the capital of Canada? Is it Toronto? Yeah. I, I, um, oh, wow. I think it's Google, isn't it Montreal. Google it real quick, Kyle. Isn't it Montreal? That's the capital of Quebec. The Thought Chunky Podcast is brought to you from a small podcast studio in America where we don't know any Ottawa. other countries. Oh, Ottawa? Yeah. Ottawa. The capital of? Canada is Ottawa. Okay. Wait. Hold on. <laughs> you, you, you good? No, I'm counting the provinces in my head of... All of Canada. Okay. There's 13, isn't there? So Ottawa's in Ontario? I think so, yeah. Okay. All right. So, anyways. <laughs> North of New York. Um, Left of Montreal. So, Canada's going to start thinking, we should move Toronto and Ottawa away. <laughs> <laughs> or, like, we should move our cities and capital. Because when the resource war comes to Michigan, <laughs> oh, now I'm starting to sound like Alex Jones. I said <laughs> when the resource war... No, if a resource war comes to Michigan, uh, collateral damage. <laughs> I, I think that, like, the first people to drop nukes on Michigan will be, like, Texas. Well, that's They'll the thing. Like, you, can't, you can't drop nukes on Michigan because well, then you fuck over the water supply. Okay, exactly. What that's what a normal person would think. I'm thinking uh, some, like, yeah. Mississippi or someone would be like, hey. It depends because if, if you drop a nuke on Detroit, it's going to affect everything to the east but not, yeah, that's nothing true. to the west because those winds come down. Yeah, the, that's true. All, all that the is lakes true. are connected, though. 
right? You take all the water before that. <laughs> oh, but it, it, w- it wouldn't spread. By, by, by the, then, the radiation would not spread they're that not, quickly, though. But they're, then, like, Michigan's gone. They're not all connected. Well, they're connected via water basins. They're not connected necessarily. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, we got Sioux locks. Technically, Lake, Lake Michigan and Lake uh, Huron are the same lake. Interesting. Yeah, because they don't. No, it doesn't end at any point. So technically, mm-hmm. they're the same lake. Yeah, but you do have the the Sioux locks, which could be closed off per se. Yeah. Well, I'm just thinking too. If like, that became like a big concern, like in terms of fallout, like the creation of acid rain, which could devastate not only crops. Acid and rain. <laughs> Some oh stay dry and some grow an extra nose. Acid <laughs> rain. <laughs> I am Nepos the nose. <laughs> Nepos the nose. Oh boy. In all seriousness, no, though, nose. Uh, acid rain. You know, carrying that kind of pH value to other lakes. Yeah, I'm using scientific terms. Uh, oh. Science majors don't cringe. There's Cringe. no science majors here. <laughs> I'm, I'm talking about viewer-wise. No one's judging you here, but the viewers, however. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I know. That's why they're over there, and we are in here. <laughs> That's why we release later. Uh, it's for our own witness protection. Uh, but I'm saying, you know, things like acid rain, things like, you know, vegetation not growing back, ecosystems being destroyed would really cause some collateral damage, even if the winds blew it east instead of west. Oh, of course. Yeah, I mean... You know, they're, they're nukes for a reason. There's a reason we haven't, you know, we're not sending them back and forth with other countries. Well, um, now we're not. Yeah. Um, but we, I guess. We never did. But but I am, curi- I am curious. Uh, <laughs> we dropped two nukes on no, Hiroshima. I'm saying we never sent them back and forth. Yeah. Okay. We, we yeah. sent two nukes out, though. We were the only people to do it. Yeah. We committed. Like mass murder. Yeah, we That's realized a war crime. we realized we oh, yeah. how badly we messed up. That's, that's a, did we? Because I think a well, lot of people still sell T-shirts that are like, "Haha, bombed Hiroshima, Nagasaki." <laughs> like uh, it's like. A, oh, so we're back to Texas now. It's, it, no, no, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just saying. I I just want to make this clear because I'm a big UT fan. Not Austin, Texas. The rest of Texas. <laughs> Austin's the small bubble. Yeah. In in the sea of what is Texas. Um. But yeah, no, that's mass murder and a war crime. Yeah, both of those bombings. But but I am curious. So let's say, so basically, what I've understood from this whole conversation is, Michigan needs to start arming itself <laughs> for when the Oklahoma guards come. I mean, I mean, yeah. I think we can repel Oklahoma, but I don't know about Texas. Uh, well, I, if if the if the what was for the the fucking Ugalaga whatever Ogallala Ogallala aquifer dries up. It's not just going to be Oklahoma. It's going to be it's going to be Wyoming, Nebraska, okay. I'm not, uh, Colorado. I'm not scared about a coalition of Wyoming, Nebraska, Kansas, <laughs> Oklahoma. That doesn't frighten me. It's, it's a lump militia of like 400 it's, people. It's when the Lone Star State joins the coalition is when you get <laughs> That's like in any war when like that's that's like what other countries feel like when they're like, "Ah, oh, we can fight Britain, we can fight France." Oh shit, the US joined. <laughs> yeah, and just uh so the Ogallala Aquifer does cover Wyoming, South Dakota, Nebraska mostly, um Kansas, Colorado, and a little bit of Oklahoma, Texas, and New Mexico. Yeah, we can take everyone but Texas. <laughs> so, yeah, we're probably going to be all right. Uh, Texas joins the fight. You know, cue the Smash Bros music right there. <sighs> Texas joins the battle. Michigan goes, oh, no. I, I have to dig up that audio again. Fuck me. Sandy <laughs> Cheeks joins the fight. <laughs> Yeehaw. <laughs> oh, my God. Hey, Nick, you know what else is stupid? What? Texas. Hey, Texas. 
Patrick, what am I now? Uh, stupid? No, I'm Texas. What's the difference? Ah! <laughs> <laughs> oh no! <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we were in trouble 40 years from now. Now we've pissed off Texas, so now they're coming up here for us. Now Texas is just looking for an excuse. Like, like listen to your fuckers. You have 50 years. <laughs> your time is up. 50 years from now. All right, All right. Pinhead, your time is up. All right, Pinhead, your time is up. Who are you calling Pinhead? <laughs> All right, Michigan. <laughs> he went from globalization to SpongeBob. Better take that stupid ass beaver cap off and come get these hands. <laughs> but, 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 Mr. Texas. <laughs> I, I, no, thank you. I'm just sitting here in my kayak drinking craft beer. We probably look so. <laughs> we probably look so lame to them. Oh, yeah. we totally do. Like Michigan, it probably seems everyone. Dude, Michigan probably seems lame as hell to everybody who's not from Michigan. Okay, don't get <laughs> me wrong. I think that, like, Michigan is kind of like the – it's a combination of my, many places, right? So, like, you know, you know, like, I don't know, I want to say, like, bro culture in Colorado. Like, the guys, like, go snowboarding and they, like, you yeah. know, grow their own strains yeah. of pot and stuff like that. <laughs> we, we have, like – those kind of people in Michigan, but because we have no mountains, it's like a really down, like, like played version of it. Yeah. Like they don't do anything too extreme. Maybe they hike on some of like the the, the hilly hills okay. here, or like you know maybe homebrew like <laughs> if it's easy. Hills. We don't and have then, a, like, a lot of hills in, in lower than the lower peninsula. And then, and then we got farmers too. We we got lots of rural Michigan where, where there are farms yeah. and stuff like that. But they're not like like Alabama farmers. Like they're not hardcore farmers. They're just like. Who the fuck Folks. farms in Alabama? I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking sharecropping well, ended a while ago. Oh, okay, <laughs> well, where's the better place to farm then, Max? Uh, the places by all the, the places with the Ogla aquifers. Yeah, yeah, all the places at the Oglala aquifers. <laughs> okay, so some farmer in Oklahoma, right? You know, but, like we have this kind of like diverse area, but it's just like the the bargain brand version of you, all these cool people. You literally mentioned like two types of people that aren't even the main population yeah, of the I state. Agree. Well, guess what? So you forgot Detroit is yes, here. Which is budget Chicago. What, budget Chicago? Excuse it's me. the arsenal of democracy. The Paris of the Midwest. <laughs> the Motor City. Motor City. You, you know what Chicago did in World War II? Shit, it's pants. You know what Detroit did? Buckled down, <laughs> built planes, built planes, built tanks. We said, we said, we carried cars. the country. <laughs> I feel like the national anthem should be playing aggressively in the background. <laughs> no, Michigan's. You know, Michigan's first governor was 24 years old. Did you know that? Okay, that's when people lived. He to fought like... the Toledo War, where nobody <laughs> died. <laughs> I feel like you're a little passionate. All right, so note to self, we don't let the kid from Chicago try to describe people from Michigan. <laughs> so, yeah, I was about to say. Judging by the audio levels, you're pretty passionate. Oh. <laughs> I can just see the waveforms going. I was looking at that, too. <laughs> Max is on the other side of the, the computer screen. He's just like, okay, okay, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get a little hyped up now. I'm going to get a little angry. I can't see what's going on over here with the computer's like, like make him stop. Maybe we won't. We won't. <laughs> All right, so someone queue up Fortunate Sons. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, Michigan's definitely an interesting place. I mean, we got we got a lot. 
a pretty di- well. I wouldn't say diverse. We got a we got a nice community. We're I mean, pretty di- yeah, well, I take that back. <laughs> I, I, reala- I realized halfway through what I was saying. We're not diverse. We're just pretty moderate. As far as the United almost. States goes. Yeah. We're not. We're well, not crazy. I think we are diverse. Yeah. Well, I think it depends where you are. Yeah, that's why I said as far as the United States goes. Well, yeah. yeah. That's why like, we're Obviously, like, New York, California, Texas, like places like that are going to be way more diverse. Mm-hmm. But, like, I think we're probably doing okay. Well... What, one thing Kyle, that, Google most diverse states in the United States. <laughs> uh, well, you're probably going to find, you know, the ones that you probably just listed. But I, I'm saying that in terms of, of how you guys handle culture, a little bit more diverse, too. Because, like, one one thing that came as just like a, a – not not a bad surprise. I thought it was, I thought it was really cool. But, like, uh, one thing that I didn't realize is that coming from – uh, like the Chicagoland area, when you like all the universities around here do powwows and like get like the local like Native American populations like involved and stuff like that. Like especially like Saginaw Valley, who's like named after a Native American tribe. Mm. Like they're super involved and everyone's super on board with that stuff. Like I've never seen a powwow back by where I'm from. Like we're super out of touch with that portion of our population. And like the only the closest thing we have is the Chicago Blackhawks, which is named after the tribe that was killed <laughs> to settle Chicago. Yeah. So like yeah, the, well that's that's what I was about to say is that's because Illinois killed all of us. Yeah, Native yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not our proudest moment. I'm not saying that Michigan did much better either because they're all on reservations. But yeah, yeah. I mean, we got plenty. We probably have well, we have a large amount of land in the UP that's all Native American reservations. Really? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, the UP there's a ton of areas, especially in the as as you get farther north, there's a lot of. There's a lot of area up there that's just all Native American reservations. So it's like reservations and state forest, pretty much. Yeah, it's in in by like reservations. It's it's their land. Yeah, like of course, like yeah. their rules go on that land. And yeah. then that's why Marquette be- <laughs> appears out of the mist, quite literally. Yes, <laughs> da, 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 da. with twenty six thousand people in the Northern Michigan Wildcats. <laughs> Man, so globalization was what we originally came in here talking about. <laughs> And it turned into a Michigan-centric podcast. <laughs> so, you know, maybe that says something about globalization. Michigan is everything. Because <laughs> we have the water. We do. Well, I mean, you know, yeah. you got that. and But the one thing we don't have is oil. Yeah, when it comes so. to globalization in the bad sense, when, like, people start to fight over things, the places with the most resources are going to be the most coveted territory. And, and that's one thing I, I find really interesting, too. And, and Kyle, maybe you could speak uh, you know, on this about on, on the, the sense of economics. But, like, if you want to bring cards to the table, you need to have some sort of natural resource yeah. or be an outstanding, I think, cultural uh, resource as well. I think that yes. cultural resources and scientific resources as well as, as strict economic and like like natural resources are just as valuable with negotiating. Well, that's how Japan operates. Japan has very few natural resources, but in terms of the scientific and cultural capital they bring to the table, that's why they're one of the most powerful economies in the world. Yeah. Yeah. So then this is where you kind of almost get into like the super basics of microeconomics, which is if you the best way to grow your country is through trade, um, mm-hmm. you know, naturally. And so if if as a country you can develop, 
your, you know, you can specialize in something. Say, for instance, like Japan knows that it has no natural resources, so it starts producing more, you know, technology and stuff like that. It can specialize in ship, shipping that out to the world and giving that to the rest of the world in exchange for the natural resources they would need to make the country run. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's just basically the – so some of the basic principles of economics is that you are always better off trading. That's a, that's a more modern application too because uh, Japan's initial uh, – <laughs> Actions when they realized they didn't have many natural resources <laughs> was to annex Korea and East China and go to war with Russia. <laughs> you know, we, we don't. I feel like like Japan's kind of like the embodiment of like a cat as a country, kind of like fuck it, like I do what I want. <laughs> <laughs> like if, if I don't have this, I'm taking it. And and then like I I, I guess is that like, where like, the lucky like, cat came from. I, I guess so, dude. But like, and and then people are like watching this cat just like do its own shit, and Russia's like, all right, like like, like what's he gonna do? And then like, cat's just like, ha cha 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 cha, and he's like, all right, you know, oh no. Yeah, I actually just wrote a paper about Japan's modernization and militarization. Really? Yeah. I think we always go back to Japan for some reason. I think this is like the third podcast we've brought up Japan. It's a really interesting. Is this the is this the part where we bring up the Nuremberg history. trials? <laughs> no, what did the Nuremberg trials have to do with Japan? So, just with the theme of bringing back stuff from old episodes. <laughs> Uh, so speaking of Djibouti, uh, anyway. Djibouti, anyways. Uh, no, I, I really want to talk about also the Middle East, too, because that's yeah. really interesting. Things like, like places like Saudi Arabia that didn't really have a seat at the world table, you know, some years ago. But now that they've become an, uh, a natural resource powerhouse in terms of oil and that those type of exports, they've become. Because they nationalized it. Yeah. Saudi Arabia's oil reserves used to belong to private corporations that were not Saudi Arabian. Mm-hmm. So the this is something I learned in my Islamic civilization class. Yeah. Uh taught by Professor Lingwood. Uh by his books if he has any. I don't know <laughs> if he does, but he's a great professor, really knowledgeable about the Middle East. Um and uh anyways, he said uh he said that um I guess when uh or in the early 1900s since Saudi Arabia is a mostly desert country, they were uh, they had some American uh, uh, irrigation workers over there trying to you know figure out how to get water across the country and stuff. Mm-hmm. And somebody struck oil, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that person. Well, I don't know if it's that person, but that corporation then became Texaco. Oh, okay. Yeah. So so Texaco was wandering around trying to move water and they're like oh i found this yeah Yeah. kick 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 the sand back over it and it's like we'll be back yeah and the same (laughs) thing happened in iran with uh uh british petroleum bp okay um in that uh in that early 1900s and um so but then once they nationalized their oil reserves then they were able to you know control their own resources and like command that respect that you were talking about on on the global stage yeah yeah, and that's definitely a huge part of the development of the Middle East is because as soon as you have that bargaining chip and just like, hey, look what I can offer you guys, and then instantly you're trading and then instantly they're getting everything else they may need. Mm-hmm. It's like when Egypt nationalized the Suez Canal and took yeah. it from Britain. like, And they were like, yeah, so if you want to get from the Indian Ocean to the Mediterranean, you got to pay our price. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, I think that's really powerful too that you can go kind of like – not to like quote, I think this is Disney from zero to hero, 
Yeah, it's from Hercules, bro. All right, so <laughs> moving on. Uh, but 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 to to have that res- maybe not even international respect because I think that comes with actions. But to have the international uh, bargaining chip is probably mm-hmm. that better word. It is I th- I think it's really powerful, and I think that it kind of inspires hope because it doesn't have to just be oil. Like, like you. Said, oh yeah, of it, course. It could be. It could J- be anything. It could be Japan. It could be culture. It like, could be like, anything that you can ship out of your country that you can specialize in. Uh, and by specialize, I mean produce mostly that so that you have enough to trade away. Yeah, because cause imagine if, you know, some country that doesn't have, you know, a super powerful seat at the world table starts exporting its culture and people around the world are really consuming that and really enjoy that. Your country is forced to have a better relationship with that country because the second that you say, oh, that culture is stupid or, oh, we're going to, you know, do something aggressive towards them, then your people have a connection to that, and you're right. hurting your own people because of that. Yeah. So then, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a scenario. Then actually, so let's say you have countries like the Middle East that are producing all this oil. Mm-hmm. They're finally catching up with the rest of like the leading powers and stuff like that. You know, they're they're developing really well, and then the oils the oil runs dry. Yeah. They run out of a natural resource. What happens? Well, yeah, that's the question. Where where do they head now? Because many countries are starting to move towards renewable resources. Yeah, not quickly enough per se, but, well, I wouldn't say that. I don't know. I mean, the, I don't know. You're the, yeah. <laughs> you're the guy for that. Yeah, I, yeah. I it's, it's an interesting question you present because – I'm just going to write down what happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's that's the interesting thing about that debate is – so a lot of – well, I don't know. It's an interesting debate because America is currently working towards getting better about not using oil and like trying to limit the consumption that we have. But granted, that's a slow process when you have such a big country, not only in size, but in uh, population as well. Um, I believe as of right now, we use like not even like a fifth of our energy comes from uh, renewable resources. Mm-hmm. I think only a fifth. Yeah, from renewable resources, yeah, I think it's only a fifth. Oh, That's not counting nuclear, though. Shiza. That sounds about right. <laughs> I think nuclear is also a f- about a fifth. That's not good. <laughs> uh, don't don't quote me on these estimates, but <laughs> that's still even if it's like within ten percent. Oh yeah, oh yeah, really I, I can low. I can pretty much guarantee you that a majority of our energy comes from oil still. No, thank you. <laughs> and we the also American use way? some of the most energy out of any other country. Yeah, but uh. It, the point you bring is interesting, though, and that's probably the, the what if we want to explore. You know, the rest of the country focuses on renewable energy. What does the Middle East do? Yeah, I think that you have to look towards places like, granted, it's a small country, so it's a lot easier for them to do. But like, look at the UAE. Like, they have kind of their shit put together. Like, they're really investing in like their country and their cities. They're being like a tourist destination. Mm-hmm. They're trying to export their culture. They're trying to increase technology and harbor that so that, you know, if per se the oil runs dry like the, or they have oil and people aren't buying it, they still have another export because of that initial success. Yeah, and that's the interesting thing that happens when you have a country like the Middle East because right now they're trying to play catch up. That's why they're selling so much of their oil, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll just be it's, – it's not necessarily like they're implementing all the things they get as into – what happens after we run out of oil. Right now they're just focusing on, you know, the short term. 
Yeah, they're trying to stay above water at this yeah, point. Yeah, right now they're just trying to stay above water is a good way to look at it. I think they're above water. They have Lamborghini well, yeah. police cars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we're talking like We're talking long term, though. Like, what happens when they run out of oil, though? You know? They, they got to be prepared for when that happens. I mean, granted, that's still maybe a long way out. I don't know exact numbers on that. But eventually they're going to run out, you know, because it's, it's, it's a limited resource. Yeah, it's kind of like, like when people are like one-hit wonders or like have like internet stardom or whatever. Yeah, it only lasts so long. Yeah, it lasts so long because actually people's attention is a resource, you know. Mm-hmm. Having an audience is a resource. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, having an audience <laughs> is a resource, and that's why people go out and invest in merch or do side projects in terms of acting or music because they know that, you know, once that fame runs out, they need to have some sort of thing to fall back on, you know, something else that's new, that's really important. Yeah, it's definitely something that's obviously, <laughs> yeah, it's it's a it's an interesting um, <laughs> comparison, but I can see where you're coming from there. Um, I would agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll definitely just be interesting to see how well we, you know, implement <laughs> renewable energy. Um, Stop looking. Because I know, <laughs> no, you. I know, I know, Europe is doing pretty all right with trying to do that. I mean, granted, they have smaller countries, so it's a lot easier for each individual country to implement it. Mm-hmm. Also, they didn't have to give up a lot of their own stuff. They stole a lot of shit. <laughs> so. It helps when you can steal a lot of stuff and get away with it. Yeah. Like Russia, you just steal part of a country and be like, this is mine now. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so anyways, Djibouti's coming back for them. Uh, <laughs> the army is rising. I almost said like we hey like we should just leave Djibouti to go die like like just like leave it alone but like I'm like I realized how bad that sounded on mic so yeah that's yeah not, that's not something you want to say okay no we're we're gonna we're gonna cut that out nope uh, <laughs> anyway we'll, we'll let you use your imagination uh, interesting though yeah and and it's definitely an interesting thing with our society too is because. The the idea of renewable energy, you know, only like 10 years ago is just like this futuristic idea. Mm-hmm. But like to this day, we're developing new technology to not only make it a possible future, but something we can implement into society for, you know, mass production and, you know, something that can actually be used for the entire society as a whole. Not just like this idea like, hey, look, I charged a light bulb. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do think part of the struggle, though, is, is that the competition is going to be traditional energy uh, Mm -hmm. resources like coal and oil, uh, things that are not renewable because those have been so well established. They have power in the government too. They do. Like their their lobbyists are incredibly powerful because they're historically powerful. That's why your vote doesn't matter, Kyle. (laughs) Okay. Because their money matters more than yours does. That's a whole other debate. (laughs) But whole another podcast. But yeah, I'm 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 kind of glad you brought up coal though, because that's definitely an interesting thing. Because a lot of developing countries are actually starting to use coal because it's it's really cheap and really easy to use, and can you can convert it to energy just just like that. But mm-hmm. the problem there is it's really bad for the environment, mm-hmm. um, and and it's still a limited resource. Mm-hmm. So that's why actually I think Europe and uh, United States are trying to be like, hey. Don't use coal and oil to, like, build your society and, you know, try to play catch up with us. Um, it's really bad for the environment and you're, you're screwing it over. Mm-hmm. The only problem with that is these countries will go, okay, well, you did it, exactly. so we get to do it. <laughs> yeah, well, well the, the thing is, and Max, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong because th- I'm going to try and go into history here. Okay. But stop. Don't do that. <laughs> uh, the, the, the cycle of the development of civilizations is, is that like when we see countries starting to develop, they go through the same kind of process that 
further developed civilizations have already gone through, right? So like like they every country has like this industrial revolution that where they use, you know, their resources, they just start burning through shit to try and play catch up and to bump out, you know, and create industry. Then they approach this realm where they start, you know, appreciating technology and scientific development as well. And it's just that like this they go through the same phases just at different times uh that than other civilizations, if that makes sense. And so it's kind of difficult to say, hey, you know, we're America. We've already been through all these stages. Let us try and help you do it better and differently. Whereas other people say, well, this is, has already worked for you. Why can't we do it? So I, I think you're overgeneralizing, but <coughs> bless you. Thank you. Um, you can continue with where you're going. No, that, that's really it. <laughs> okay. I, I, I well, think. Yeah. I, I mean, I would just. Yeah. I don't want to spend a bunch of time just breaking that down piece by piece. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're almost done with the podcast, too. So. I don't want to crumple your entire little spiel there. Wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> it's happened many a time. But, yeah, it's. I guess I'll try to, you know, take it and just mold it. Um, yeah, it's, it's something that America's, you know, obviously working on. I mean, granted, we're a really bad example because we're using so much um, <laughs> energy um, from our oils and natural gases, and we're just like, hey, I know we're doing this right now, but like you guys should not. Yeah, it, it's not really a practice as or it, practice right what now, you yeah. preach exactly. Yeah, I mean we're we're working towards it, you know. And renewable energy is getting closer and closer to, you know, being something we can implement. Yeah, but I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited. I like windmills. Too. Windmills are really visually appealing. They're could, soothing. Could we do water turbines in the Great Lakes, or is there not enough? That's it's, it's interesting because it depends on the, a lot of the current runs below the water. I believe. Don't mm-hmm. quote me on this, but I believe a lot of, and not only that, but if you put in these giant ass wind turb or water turbines, especially in an ecosystem like that, you're really disturbing the environment like really badly um because you're you're gonna get fish swimming into these you know water turbines (laughs) (laughs) 10 seconds later you have sushi for four uh (laughs) but yeah it's it's something that they've definitely considered uh it does disturb the environment a lot uh Water turbines work really well for rivers just because that's surface level currents. Oh, like smaller? Type. Yeah, okay. because that's surface level currents. And not even just small you. rivers. Not like, like large rivers work too. Uh, the problem is lakes don't flow that much. That makes sense. At that point, you're almost better off just putting wind turbines in Lake Michigan. What about yeah. why hasn't like – well, I know why they haven't. But <laughs> like the – do you guys know what the Congo River is? No. It's in yes. Africa. Yeah. Okay. And it moves like so fast. Like if you just watch a video of the Congo River, you're like, damn, why is that river so aggressive? <laughs> <laughs> you're like, chill. <laughs> El Congo, the, the, calm down. The thing hauls ass. <laughs> but um if you were to put like water turbines there. It's gotta be able to hold up. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think that well also you'd probably have a hard time putting them in there because there's so many crocodiles that you can't like <laughs> You can't do anything without them being like, who's that in the water? You throw an engineer in there and they're like, ooh, hello. <laughs> um, I'm a hungry crocodile. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, like, places like that, like, you, we can find a way to do this. I know we can. Yeah. But will we choose to? <laughs> yeah. No, That's I, the interesting I, I thing. Yeah. And I think the the big takeaway to wrap everything up, too, is that as we kind of talked about globalization, in terms of environmental and like resource management and stuff like that, 
there's multiple different fields that play into it as well. Uh, I mean, you're looking at environmental studies. You're looking at economics to see, you know, what the potential implications are of, of adopting this. You're looking at business. You're looking at, uh, you know, th- things that, that involve public like, relations. Like, and yeah, stuff public like relations, that. city planning. Like, it's a multifaceted thing, which is why that these changes aren't easy to implement. Oh, yeah. No, I absolutely agree with you 100%. I mean, I mean, look at me. I barely know what I'm talking about, but mm-hmm. I'm, I'm only, I only understand just part of what actually happens in, a, in you know, the international basis. It's, it's, it's a really complex scenario that you're looking at here. And, uh, and with that, do, do you hear the, uh, the outro music coming up? I think it's here. Wait, it, is it? Yeah, really? yeah, it is. So, Kyle, with that, thank you for joining us. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. It's On- been an absolute pleasure. Uh, episode nine of the Thought Junkie podcast. Uh, some uh, you you heard the announcement at the beginning of the podcast. Uh, but again, if you want to reach out, we'll have more information on Twitter. That's T Junkie Podcast. Uh, that's our handle. Uh, you can look up Thought Junkie Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, any of these fine uh, places where your podcasts are procured. I am Nick. That is Max, and that is Kyle. And thank you for listening. Go Michigan. Do you like heroin? I love heroin, guys. <laughs>